Hi, this is Joel Scrivener, pastor of Oaks Church in McKinney, Texas. And I wanted to say thank you so much for listening, sharing, and supporting our podcast. I know that today's message is going to inspire you, challenge you, and empower you to fearlessly follow Jesus like never before. Now, let's check out today's message. Let me start by um, thanking you, Pastor Joel and Pastor Jennifer, for trusting me with the word today. Um, hopefully, you'll still feel that way afterwards. And, uh, <laughs> you know, let me just start with a prayer. God, let them hear what you want to hear, regardless of what I say. You know what you want them to get out of this this morning. So, there's been a, a, a series that Pastor's been talking about on significance. Um, and he's used some of the great heroes of the Bible as examples. He talked about David and he talked about Gideon. These, these were men who did very significant things while struggling with their own significance, while not feeling that significant themselves. Um, David was, was one of these in particular, um, and we'll, we'll talk about that in one of his psalms. But what I'd like to do today is, as we continue talking about significance is, is take some passages from the Bible that you might not think belong together and put them together as pieces to a puzzle. Uh, because if, if I just take any one passage from the Bible, uh, I, I can go off on a sermon and, and make it say virtually anything but it has to fit well with other aspects of God's word. Um, and there are some things that are hidden from us sometimes. And so what I would ask God today is to give all of us a revelation. A revelation is truth that uncovers hidden things. It's truth that unveils what's veiled. It's truth that reveals what's been concealed. And all of us, I think, can agree that, um, <laughs> you know, we, we, we don't want to always live life being armchair quarterbacks. We want to uh, see things in advance. So I'm going to take five passages, five individual pieces to a puzzle, and put them together. Um, the first one, if you'll put the first one up, please, uh, comes from Psalms. Chapter 8, and this is David. Let me set the stage real quick. I'm just going to read these passages very quickly, then we'll, we'll talk about them. David was hiding in caves. David was, was generally afraid. He was a great warrior, a great psalmist who, who, who really didn't know himself that well. And Pastor has done a wonderful job talking about why, talking about how he was pushed out of his, his family. One night, he was looking up at the stars. He's looking up at the majesty and the magnificence of God. And this is what he says, when I look at the night sky and I see the work of your fingers, the moon stars and the moon and stars you set in place, what are mere mortals that you think about them? Human beings that you should care for them. What he was doing, he was looking up at the stars and he was saying, you did all of this. You're magnificent. How, how do you even know me? How do you even know my name? Why, who am I that you would call me by name? And so there's an answer to that and that answer is found in the next passage, if you'll bring it up, please. And that passage is in Ephesians. 
Ephesians is my Ephesians chapter one is my second favorite passage in all of the Bible. It's a little hard to understand because we just don't talk like this anymore. But it, it, it's it's a majestic. Uh, offering on why you and I are significant. And here's what it says. It says, how blessed is God and what a blessing he is. He is the father of our master, Jesus Christ, and takes us to the high places of blessing in him. And here's the key. Long before he laid down earth's foundations, he had us in mind had settled on us as the focus of his love to be, made, to be made whole and holy by his love. Long, long ago, before the foundations of the world, he decided to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ. He wanted us to enter into the celebration of his lavish gift giving by the hand of his beloved son. And because of the sacrifice of his son, the Messiah, his blood that was, his blood that was poured out on the cross, we are a free people, free of the penalties and the punishments and chalked up by all the dumb things we do. And we're not just kind of free, we're completely free. We're abundantly free. He thought of everything and he provided for everything we could possibly need, letting us in on the plans he took such delight in making. And he set it all out before us in Christ, not on a whim, but a long-range, well-thought-out plan in which everything would be brought together and summed up in him, everything in deepest heaven, everything on planet earth, and here was the key. It is in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. It is in Christ that we find out who we are and why we're here. It is in Christ that we find out our identity and our purpose. When we spend a lifetime looking in a lot of different areas for those two things, when Bible says you go to one source for both of those. Long before we first heard of Christ and got all excited, he already had his eye on us, had designs on us for glorious living, part of the overall purpose he is working out in everything and in everyone. The next passage these are pieces to a puzzle. I promise you, they all belong together, okay? The next passage is found in Philippians chapter two. Ephesians one is my second favorite passage. Philippians two is my absolute favorite passage in all of the Bible. It is absolutely beautiful. It is so deep. It is so multifaceted. Um, I, I just, it's just incredible. And this is what it says. In your relationships with one another, that's you and I, in how we deal with each other, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. In other words, Jesus had the right to say no. But because he loved us, he said yes. That's the mindset we're supposed to have, a mindset of love. He could have said no, but instead he made himself nothing. Taking on the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. 
Therefore, God has highly exalted him. God has exalted him to the highest place, given him the greatest name that is above every other name, that the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven, on earth, under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We don't talk like this anymore, so we don't get the full meaning. Hopefully you will when this is finished. Next one, please. Pieces to a puzzle, I promise you. Matthew chapter 22. So here's the, here's the scene. Jesus is talking with the Pharisees. And as usual, these knuckleheads are trying to trap Jesus. And, um, and so they ask him, what, one of the experts, not just one of the regular Pharisees, but one of the experts in the law comes to him and says, hey, teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses. And Jesus said, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, but there's another one equally important. Love your neighbor the way you love yourself. And then he threw a monkey wrench into the machinery of the Pharisees by saying this, the entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. And if they didn't want to kill Jesus before then, they wanted to now. Because Jesus just made it personal. Because he just told them all of the laws, all of the rituals, all the robes you wear, all the things you lord over people, the place you get into synagogue, the the prayers you like to say so loudly, none of those mean anything. Love is more important than those. And love is the foundation for those. And what he just told them was the things that you think make you significant are nothing. He got really personal with them then. And from that moment on, <laughs> he was a persona non grata with these, with these guys. Here's the last one. Now, then we'll start to put them together. I'm not even going to put it up because uh, I think we all know this one. John 3.16, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Five pieces to a puzzle that when you put them together, forever answer why you and I are significant and we should never never question this. These are foundational things. And so I'm a mathematician. I like math. I studied math. And so um, I like to put everything in math terms. And so I want to put this this thing in significance in a way that I think you'll never forget it. So if you'll pull up the next, uh, the next slide, please, I'd, I'd appreciate it. Um, there is in math a sequence, a pattern called the Fibonacci sequence. And essentially, here's what it is. You start with zero, go to one, and from that point on, add the last two numbers to each other. And so one and one is two, two and one is three, three and two is five, five and three is eight. You can see how this sequence is, is created. So it looks just like a pattern of numbers, nothing very, nothing very special. Here's what's special about these numbers. These numbers are found all in creation. Virtually every flowering plant has three, five, eight, 13, 21, or 34 leaves. The four-leaf clover is considered lucky because it has four. 
If you take any of the, once you get up past eight, if you take the larger number and divide it by the smaller number, you always get a variation of 1.6, 1.61, getting closer to 1.618, which is the Greek letter phi, which was the number of perfection. And artists call this the golden ratio, the golden proportion. Um, mathematicians call this the golden proportion. Scientists call this the divine proportion because to science, it is empirical proof that there was an intelligent creator behind creation. How do they know that? Because when, once you, what do you do with math numbers? Anytime you get math numbers, mathematicians, here's what we do. We put them in a graph. And when you put these numbers in a graph, you start to get a spiral. And this spiral comes in a, in a specific ratio, 1.618. It's a perfect spiral. And you find this spiral, if you'll pull, put that up, please, you'll, you'll find this spiral anywhere in creation. Go to the next slide, please. You'll find this spiral in the, in the daisy. You find it in the sunflower. You find this spiral, these, these exact same proportions in the seahorse and how it curls its tail, how the octopus curls its tentacles, it, how the ocean waves come crashing on the shore. They angle themselves in this Fibonacci sequence. The ram, the horns on a ram, follow this. The, sna- the, 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 the shape of a snail, the shell follows this. The crab shell follows this. A hurricane spinning in, in, the, in the ocean follows this same sequence. You look up into the stars and every spiral galaxy follows this same sequence. Even though those stars are moving at tens and hundreds of thousands of miles an hour, they stay in formation and they stay in, locked in this sequence. If you look inside a, a pregnant woman, the unborn fetus is curled initially in the same sequence. It's, it's, if you look at your hands, the fingerprints are, are, are curled in this sequence. It's almost like Jesus put his stamp on creation. It's like you, on the back of my shirt, it says, made in America, made in China, made in the Philippines. Made, it's like Jesus said, made by me. Everywhere you look, he wanted you to see creation. Everywhere he, you look. These are foundational things that he wants you and I to to, to understand. Um, Go to the next slide, please, and now we'll start to put this puzzle together. Here's here's why it's so tough for us, because Genesis 1, we're talking about foundational things from creation. Genesis 1 says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Stephen Covey was a great business philosopher, and here's one of the things he said. Begin with the end in mind. Anytime you want success in something, always begin with the end in mind. So whatever is most important comes first. So if that's the case, which it is, and I look at Genesis 1, the most important thing is creation, the universe. God creating the universe God thinking about the universe and putting all of these laws like you see with these Fibonacci patterns in place. You have to understand, God had to think really well and and in, in great detail about this. The earth, think about this. The earth is spinning like a top right now at 1,000 miles an hour. 
And while it's spinning at 1,000 miles an hour, it is hurtling through space around the sun at 66,000 miles an hour. And the sun is part of a galaxy that's moving at over 100,000 miles an hour. And the scientists have, have, have estimated that the Earth that you and I are sitting on right now is hurtling through space at 1.3 million miles per hour, yet none of us feel it. It feels like we were just standing still because of the laws of motion and the laws of gravity and the laws of energy that Christ put into place. This is what he was thinking about when he's thinking about the universe. He's thinking about his stamp. He's thinking about the laws that are going to hold all of this together. Then he creates the universe. Then he creates the earth. Then after he created earth, then he started creating animals and mountains and planets and birds and fish and all that. And then he kind of stepped back and said, huh, all right, what now? Ah, let's make man in our image. And so then he made us. And what it looks like, ladies and gentlemen, if that's what you buy into from Genesis 1, it looks like we're an afterthought. It looks like the most important thing he did was create creation and then wonder what to do next. And then he created us. And as soon as he created us, we mess it up. Okay, and so we mess it up, and God says, okay, get out of my garden. And, 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 and now from that point on, for the rest of Genesis and the next 38 books of the Old Testament, this is one angry guy. He's throwing fire down. He's throwing floods down. He's throwing frogs down. He's throwing, he's throwing locusts down. He's throwing cockroaches down. See, when I get to heaven, that's the one question I'm going to ask God. It's going to be a short stay in heaven for me, Pastor, because <laughs> I'm going to ask him, what did we do to deserve cockroaches? And he's going to answer my question, and I'm going to say, thank you, God, very much. And I'm going to go find that person, and I'm going to smack him right in the face. And that's, good. that's why it's going to be a short stay in heaven for me. I'm telling you right now. 39 books of an angry God. And then finally, he comes up with a plan to say, hey, let me fix this. Jesus agrees to this plan, okay? Then Jesus comes, and from that point on, we strive to please God. That's what it looks like, because in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Go to the next slide, please, sir. The reality is, here's in the beginning, God creating the universe. Ephesians says, before in the beginning, God was thinking about us. Before he thought about stars, before he thought about gravity, before he thought about the laws of motion, before he thought of any of that, he stepped into time and he saw each one of you. He saw me and he fell in love. And he said, wow, I wanna create a purpose for these people. But as he looked at each one of us, here's what else he saw. He saw all of the challenges that we would face. He saw some of us, he saw some of us face challenges of betrayal. Some of us would face challenges of rejection, of abuse. Some of us would lose a parent. Some of us would lose a child. Some of us would lose a job. Some of us would get lied about. We'd lose our reputation. Some of us would get, uh, some of us would be put down because of the color of our skin. He looked at me and he saw that in my young life, there were restaurants I couldn't go to. There were restrooms I couldn't use. There were hotels I couldn't go to. There were amusement parks I couldn't go to. 
There were stores I couldn't go to. And then he saw me fail in my first marriage. He saw me fail at my first company. He saw me with cancer, wearing a bag. And he looked at that. He said, I've got a purpose for Kevin, but I see all of this stuff happening to him. So I've got to create a plan that's going to account for all of this so that he can achieve his purpose. I know what Joel is going to go through as a young boy and as a father. And I know the purpose that I have for him. I'm going to create a plan that accounts for that, that takes all of that into account so that he could still achieve that purpose. And once he was ready to go, there, there, the Godhead is saying, okay, we're ready. And then the God noticed one other thing. He said, he noticed, wow, they're going to reject us. This isn't going to work. What do we do? The lawful thing, the logical thing would have been for Jesus to say, forget it. But it was too late. He's already in love with you. He's seen the greatest parts of you. And, and so instead of doing the logical thing and saying, we're not going to create them, they did the loving thing and said, we're going to move forward anyway. And God said, Jesus, how much do you love him? And he said, I love him to death. And he said, that's an interesting choice of words because that's what it's going to cost. And ladies and gentlemen, there are no stars. There's no planets. There's no earth. There's no ocean. It's complete blackness when all of this is going on. This is a conversation going on before in, before in the beginning. And so God tells Jesus, he says, Jesus, this is what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you, according to Philippians, to give up your reputation, to give up your name, to give up your divinity, to give up your glory, to give up, give up your honor, to give up your power, to give up your title, to give up your status, to give up the measure of authority you have, and finally to give up your life. And Paul said, Jesus, who being God had the right to say no, said yes, because he was already in love with us. That's why we're significant, folks. Not because of anything you've done, and not because of anything he did, but because he loved us so much. Think of it like this. From God thinks about us to Jesus signs the adoption papers with his blood, this made God spiritually pregnant with us. He's spiritually pregnant, and he has the chance to abort this baby. And he said, no, because I'm already in love with them. And then he creates the universe, which is simply the baby room for this baby. Creating the universe was just God getting the room ready. The earth is just the cradle that he's going to lie this baby in. The sun, moon, and stars are just the mobile that he places over them to, to entertain them at night. The animals are just the stuffed animals that, that he brings into the crib to let us play with. Why? Because we're his kids. It was so important for him that we not be his creation, but we be his family. But for us to be his family, Jesus had to say, I'll give it all up. That's, that's why we're significant, ladies and gentlemen. 
That's why Matthew, is, Matthew 22 is so important because we, we too often ignore and reject this, this, this offer of significance based on love. And we feel that we have to prove ourselves. We feel we have to prove our significance. Jesus said, live by love or live by law. Choose love. If you choose law, then this is all about your accomplishments. This is all about the rules that you can keep that I can't keep. This is all about the status. This is all about, hey, I drive this kind of car. What kind of car do you drive? I, drive in, I live in this kind of house. What kind of house do you live in? Is my wife prettier than yours? Is my husband more handsome than yours? Our kids are on the little league team. Is mine better than yours? Our kids are in the band. Is mine in first chair and yours in second chair? It all becomes about accomplishments. And the Pharisees were comfortable with this. The Pharisees thrived in this, and stunningly, the children of Israel had become comfortable with this, and Jesus said, no, there is a better way for, to do this. And so what, what Jesus wants us to understand is, if I draw my significance from the love of Christ, then I'm free to go pursue my purpose. But if I draw my significance from law, from accomplishments, from achievements, from what I can attain. I am forever trapped in an unending cycle now of trying to prove myself. And I will never even think about my purpose. I'll never even think about my purpose because my focus is not on the love of Christ, it's on you. And what do you say? And what do you think? And are you gonna betray me? Can I count on you? Can I use you? My focus is on you instead of, instead of on the love of Christ. At the end of the day, this all comes down to love. And John 3.16 said, God so loved the world he gave his only begotten son. John 3.16 doesn't say God so loved the world so much that he gave all the jewels and precious gems and gold and silver. It said he gave his son. Why? because that's what we needed. When you love, you will give, and you will give what is needed. Don't make giving about money. Money is the easiest thing we should ever give. Jesus said this, give, and it will be given to you, pressed down, shaken together, running over. We don't talk like that anymore. Let me put it in math terms. Give, and what you give will be exponentially compounded and then given back to you. And there are things that, that people need that we can give. Give mercy. And mercy won't be given back to you. Mercy will be exponentially compounded and given to you. Do you know what we call that? Favor. Give mercy, you receive favor. Give compassion. And compassion gets exponentially multiplied and given back to you. You give compassion, you get empathy from others. You get alignment with others. Here, here's another one. Give credit to others. Even when you did all of the work, even when Jeremy over there didn't do hardly anything, give credit because Jeremy needs a break. You give credit and credit will be exponentially multiplied and given to you. Do you know what we call that? Elevation. There are people who never receive elevation because they keep all the credit. There are people who never get alignment with others because they're not compassionate. There are people who never receive favor because they're not merciful. 
Give truth, even when truth doesn't favor you, even when truth doesn't fit your narrative. And God will give you the truth that uncovers hidden things. Tell the truth, God will give you revelation. If I'm a liar, God cannot trust me with the truth that uncovers hidden things. And so I'll never get it. I'll, let me close with this. If, if Christ was telling the truth, if he wasn't lying, and, and my gifts get exponentially multiplied, then Jesus is due the mother load. Because he's given up everything. He gave up his reputation, his name, his title, his position, his honor, his glory, his power, his authority, and his life. He's due the mother load. That's why Philippians is so beautiful when it says, therefore, because of everything he gave, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name above every name that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. See, we're so arrogant, we think we're talk he's talking about us. This is what he was saying. Jesus, because of what you've done, I'm giving, this is the Father talking to Jesus, I'm giving you the highest place above me. Was there, ever a, was there ever a time where you were greater than Jesus? Where your name was higher than his? The Father said, I'm giving you the highest place above me. Your name is greater than any name, even mine. Every knee will bow to you, even mine. I'm giving you all the honor, all the glory, all the power. What did Jesus say in Matthew before he came back, before he went to heaven? He said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. I left heaven with a measure of authority. I go back to heaven with all authority. And Jesus said, not necessary, Father. I did all of this just to glorify you. I did all of this because I love them, I love you, I wanna give you the glory. And Paul said, that's the mindset we should have. Not about what's best for me, not about what's in it for me, but there's something you need. Can I love you enough to give you what you need? My, my mom went to be with the Lord on Wednesday, this past Wednesday. The thing I will always remember, Cheryl, that, that mom told us was this, never put a question mark where God has put a period. God has said things about you, don't question them. God has said things about you, and it wasn't something he just came up with now. He's been saying those things about you before creation. Don't question those. My sister told me something, Stephanie Gregger, the, uh, the, the worshiper said, uh, and she said, don't exchange your anointing for the applause of man. Don't exchange your purpose for the opinions and the approval of people because your significance will be fleeting. Accept the significance that comes just because Jesus loves you. Let that be enough. And that's forever. Amen? Amen. Thank you very much.
We pray this message has blessed your life. And if it has, we want to invite you to sow into what God is doing here at Oaks Church. It's as simple as going to oakschurch.com and clicking the Give button. On behalf of Oaks Church, thanks for listening and have a great week.